Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. I want to read a verse from Colossians, Colossians 4.1. This is from the message version. And masters, treat your servants considerately. Be fair with them. Don't forget for a minute that you too serve a master, God in heaven. You know, as we try to challenge each and every day on I Work For Him, that you should look at your workplace like a mission field, the, the actual approach to hiring people. You know, if we run our own business or if we're a manager in a business, we've got to be cognizant. We've got to be very proactive in hiring people in a proper manner. And we got to make sure that we're treating people the way we'd want to be treated in the workplace. And as we are hiring people, we got to just make sure that we're really taking into consideration their feelings, their actions. And so let's just take a look at what does the hiring process look like and how do we make sure that we're ready for it? And I do this because we're supposed to be looking at our workplaces like a mission field. And so if we're going to bring in people to work for us, to work alongside of us, how do we get prepared? How do we make sure that they're prepared? How do we make sure that we are prepared for the interview? So here's the question. Why are we even interviewing people? 
Well, we've got an opening. We've got a place that's got to be filled. You know, and a lot of people say, well, I want to just fill my office full of Christians. And I'm going to challenge you to say, don't waste your time doing that. I mean, it's great if you can hire a Christ follower here, a Christ follower there. But you know what? Honestly, our workplace is a place where we can minister to people. We don't want to surround ourselves with Christ followers because where's the challenge in that? Of course, there's plenty of challenge in that. But where's we got to just say, Lord, why do you have me here? Who are the people that you're going to put under my control? And so let's take a look at the process. You know, a lot of times when we when we open up a position, we know exactly what this person needs to do. But a lot of times we don't communicate that really well. So I, I just let's just start off with the ad that you put out there. Let's just start off with. Here's the conversations that you want to make sure you have with people. And so let's put it all out. And I love using Craigslist to advertise for people. But just say, hey, I'm looking for this kind of person with this kind of character to do this kind of a job. And and so that they know exactly. And this is what it pays. And this is what the hours are like. And this is where the company is located. Maybe you don't put the name of the company on the ad. But lay it all out for people so people aren't just applying for a job that they have no idea what it really is. Just lay it all out for them honestly. Because you're looking for an opportunity to bring somebody in that's going to help make you more money, that's going to help make your job easier if they're going to work alongside of you. So you really need to think through this process. So put a, a lot of detail out there. And when, you, and when you're kind of feeding through, you're, you're weeding through those people that have applied for the job, because a lot of times you post a job on Craigslist, you're going to get 30, 40, 400 applicants, depending on how much money you're paying and, and what the job is, an entry-level position, you may get hundreds of people. So you, when you're weeding through them, always put some requirements out there for people when they send their resume in to say, hey, I want you to only call into this number, or I want you to send your resume to this email address along with why you think you're qualified for this position. And so you weed through people to see if, hey, did they follow the instructions that I put out there? So you started off with making it nice and clear. And then it makes it a little easier to weed out. Obviously, once you've weeded out the people that didn't follow the instructions, then you're going to put out there. Then you're going to figure out those people that are actually qualified for the job. Because a lot of times people apply for jobs they're not qualified for. They're just out there applying for jobs because they need a job. But you, as a Christ follower, need to pray over these things. As As you're looking at resumes, just ask the Lord, Father, just show me. Show me who I should be looking to. Draw it to my attention. Have something jump out to me, the people that I should be talking to. And, and if you get hundreds and hundreds of resumes, you want to weed this down to 10 to 12 people that you can all have them all come in on the same day. But after you figure out who those people are going to be, the next step is send out to those people an assignment. Maybe, maybe you weeded it down to 20 people because you're going to give out an assignment and those people are going to, they're going to either do the assignment or they're not going to do the assignment. So you want to set aside another weeding factor. The first weeding factor was can they follow instructions in your job ad? Second was can they follow the instructions that for getting prepared for the interview? I always say send out a detailed job description. Make sure that these people are really ready. They totally understand the job that they're applying for. Direct them to the website. Send them a copy of your core values. I always suggest as well that you send them a copy of the love language or the appreciation languages in the workplace, the five languages of appreciation. Have them do that test ahead of time and send that to you. Have them take a disk profile test, but have that stuff and have them send it all to you ahead of time so that when they come to meet with you for the interview, you already know a lot more about them than you normally would. 
But you say, okay, you say, okay, let's say Bob Johnson applies for the job. And I had a buddy named Bob back in Minnesota. So Bob Johnson applies for the job. And you say, Bob, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send me a fresh copy of your resume along with a note saying why you think you're qualified, based on the information you see on my website, why you think you qualify for this job, why you think you'll be a good fit. As well as I want you to take these couple of tests, the five love lang- five languages of appreciation in the workplace and this DISC profile, which is a personality profile. And I want you to send those things back to me electronically, and then we'll schedule your interview. Well, that just makes some incredible conversation pieces. If they actually do the homework, then you know that they really want the job. If you don't, if they don't do the homework, then you know they're not really interested in the first place anyway. So you get all that stuff, and that helps you weed through people. And if you started with 40 people or 20 people, that's going to weed you down to 10 or 12. And I always recommend that all of the interviews are done on one day. Make it a nice long day. Always interview people all in one day so you can really compare them very, very well. And I recommend if you're a guy, have a woman in the room with you that will also participate in the interview, even if all they do is listen. If you're a woman, have a man in the room with you. So, again, they can give you perspective. These people that that are doing the interviewing, you want to make sure that two different perspectives are being given. Two different perspectives are being taken so that when you are done interviewing the person, there's a standard set of questions that you're going to ask in that interview. You're going to have a perspective on, yeah, I like the person or no, I didn't like the person. But you're going to have that perspective. I I want you to keep in mind all along when you're when you're interviewing people, you're looking for you're evaluating these things. How did they come dressed for the interview today? Did they really come serious? Are they serious about this interview? Were they real? Did they come dressed up or do they look sloppy? Do they make eye contact with you? That's very important because if people are not making eye contact with you, then they're probably not telling you the truth or they're really, really shy. And if you're hiring them for a certain position, you got to make sure, hey, can they make eye contact? You learn a lot about people. The eyes are a window to the soul. You got to be able to look people in the eye. Is their story consistent? Ask questions a couple of different ways so you can see, is their story consistent? You're looking for character qualities, things that they say, nuances to how they say them. This isn't, you're almost like a psychologist when you're interviewing people. You're looking for, boy, is this person potentially my next employee that I'm going to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in over the next 10 years? You got to make sure you have a good fit. You're looking for timeliness. Were they early for the interview or late for the interview? I I would just tell you this. My personal opinion, if somebody is not on time for the interview, you will not interview them. You just thank them for coming and say, I'm sorry, you couldn't be here on time. We'll be interviewing the next person. Don't ever. If somebody can't be on time for an interview, don't interview them. Now, if they called. 15 minutes beforehand and said, listen, I'm on the Howard Franklin right here in Tampa Bay and I can't get across the bridge. I'm very, very sorry. If they were proactive enough to call, then fine. Give them a break. But if they don't call and they show up late, don't even bother because then they're going to just you just are getting a window into what they're going to be like as an employee. Keep in mind that the skills that they have for the job are not near as important as the character quality that you're looking for are they a person of character do they have integrity are are they do they are they a clean person are they going to be timely those are things you can't train you can train skills anybody can learn most people can learn anything but you can't teach character 
All right. So when you get your, we, we talked about how you weed people out, you give them an assignment, you make them send it back to you. And, and that assignment was the five languages of appreciation, as well as the disc profile. You've gotten that. They've sent them back to you. You've set them up for an interview. And I recommend the first time you interview somebody, 25 minute interview. So you schedule them every half hour all day long. And like I said before, if you're a man interviewing people, have a woman in the room with you to get a different perspective because the female perspective is very different than the male perspective. And if you're a woman, have a man in the room because a man perspective is very different than a female perspective. You've got to have both people's perspective. And here's the kinds of questions that I like to ask. So you start the interview and, and you do a lot of niceties, but just jump right into it. Don't waste time. You got 25 minutes and you've already wasted a minute bringing them into the room. And you want to make sure you leave yourself five minutes at the end for you and your coworker to talk about that, uh, that interview before you go on to the next one. So here's the questions I like to ask. I always start off with, and this is one of those questions I repeat a different way later, but what are your gifts, talents, and abilities? What are your major gifts, talents, and abilities? Describe them for me. So they always talk about, okay, here's, here's what I can do really good. And a lot of people don't really have any idea what that really means, but you ask them to talk about themselves. Then, then I always said, I always say, hey, describe for me that perfect job based on that gifting, those gifts, talents, and abilities that you've been given. Then I go back and I, I dig into their psychology. Why are you thinking about a change? I had a manager ask me that question way back. I, I was in sales. I sold insurance for years and years and years. And he asked me that question. That was a great closed question. Why are you thinking about a change? In the insurance business, why are you thinking about change in an insurance agency? You're trying to find out what's their pain. So in the employee, in a prospective employee, when you ask that question, why are you thinking about a change? It really tells you their heart. You really want to hear from them. Well, I'm sick and tired of my boss. They make me show up on time to work. You know, they they're, they're, they got all kinds of rules. I don't like abiding by the rules. You want to hear, you're trying to get them to tell you something that you can use either in their favor or to weed them out. But why are you thinking about a change? And then I start asking questions that really dig deep. And, 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 and I'll post these. I'll send you these. If you want to email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com. We'll post some of this stuff on Facebook tonight. Just go out to Facebook and click on I Work For Him. But I like to ask these questions. What did you like about your last job? And you leave a pause. Don't answer. Don't be afraid of silence. Because you want to hear, what do they love about their last job? And then, what did you not like about your last job? And again, leave the silence. And then, uh, this is the powerful question. What did you like about your last boss? And then you ask that question. What did you not like about your last boss? And it really starts to tell you a lot about who this person is and what their makeup is. Because you're trying to decide, am I going to spend... Tens of thousands of dollars on this person over the next several years, hundreds of thousands if you have them for a decade or more. You want to make sure you have a good fit. And if this person starts complaining and ripping into their last boss and talking about how they, they were creeping on them or what, you want to really find out who is this person. And when you ask these questions about their last job, what they like and dislike about their last job, what they like and dislike about their last boss, it tells you so much. All right. Then you ask, hey, then you start just asking some other other questions. Hey, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun? See, so try to find, find out what kind of a person are they when they're not at work. What do you do? What do you how do you occupy your time? What do you do in your spare time? You know, then this is the most powerful question. This is a Jim Brangenberg patented question that I like to ask. Hey, I, I always ask at a courtesy, are your mom and dad still alive? And sometimes when people say no, especially if you're interviewing somebody that's a little bit older, you say, hey, do you have a brother and sister that are still alive? 
Great. You're just trying to qualify somebody that you can that you can phrase this question for. You say, okay, hey, if your mom and dad's still alive, if I called your mom today, I'm not gonna, but if I called your mom today and was to ask this question, Mom, what's one thing about Bob that drives you crazy? What's one thing about Bob that you have been telling Bob to work on all of his life, but he refuses to do it? What's one thing about Bob that he really needs to work on? Then I say, what would your mom tell me? That is the most powerful question you can ask in an interview. You will get the most amazing responses from people, things that they should never tell you in an interview. It is the most powerful question ever. Because they're going to tell you, oh, my mom tells me I should clean up my, I'm, I'm messy. I'm always messy. I should be cleaning up my messes or I'm always late. Mom tells me I should work on not being late all the time. I mean, they'll just tell you the most amazing things. And you're like, I cannot believe you just told me that. Then if you really want to find out whether you're dealing with a Christ follower or not, ask this question. Describe your view of life to me. Now, like I said before, it's not important that you hire all Christ followers. In fact, that takes away the challenge. Jesus said for us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We're supposed to be that light spot. We're supposed to be reaching out to people. How do you become a minister and lead people to Christ if you don't have anybody to share Christ with? So I don't. I say hire the person that's the per- perfect person for the job and let the Lord minister to you, use you to minister to them. But so describe your view of life to me, and you'd be amazed at what people will tell you. And then you, you, you talk about their personality style. They've taken the test. The DISC test is my favorite because it's quick and easy, you know, and it'll describe they're either D, I, S, C, or some sort of combination thereof. Hey, so ask them to describe. Describe for me your personality style. If you've got time, then you can ask these questions. Describe for me a conflict you had in your last office and how you resolved it. That's a really important one. How do you resolve conflict in your workplace? We're talking about asking interview questions. How can you hire somebody in a Christ-like fashion? And so we're talking about some of the interview questions that I like to use when I'm interviewing people. So important that you ask these tough questions. But so, for instance, I said, you know, what are your gifts, talents, and abilities? Describe for me the perfect job based on that gifting. You know, why are you thinking about changing jobs? What did you like about your last job? What did you not like about your last job? What did you like about your last boss? What did you not like about your last boss? What do you do for fun or in your spare time? And then the power question, if I called your mom and asked your mom, what's the one thing that you need to be working on? What's the one thing that drives you crazy about them? It's a fantastic question. Then you, if you've got time, you can ask, What are you looking for in a boss and a job environment? And give them a chance to really describe that for you. We're talking about how you can hire in a Christ-like fashion. And people go, really, is there really a difference? Well, there is if you're going to be Christ-centered in your workplace, which if you're a Christ follower, everything about you should be changing. Everything about you should be impacted by your faith faith in Jesus Christ. And so these, we're talking about the way to approach it so that you can show people respect in the interview process. You can minister to people in the interview process. I mean, I've had opportunities to pray with people in the interview because how ministered they've been in the interview. It doesn't mean that I've always hired all those people, but we've had an opportunity to really talk about faith and be encouraging to people because sometimes people interview for jobs they're just not qualified for. So leading up to this point in the show, we talked about how you get the right people in front of you, how you test them ahead of time by giving them some assignments, and then the questions that we like to ask. And the last question we asked before the break 
critical. It's what are you looking for in a boss and a job environment? And, and it's super important that you hear that question. Make sure you're listening. Take notes. Take notes. Don't record the interview. Take notes. And, and number one, because you got to get permission to record people, and that just... I don't know. That, that goes in a whole different world. May freak people out. But just take good notes. And like I said, I'm going to emphasize this every time. If you're a man doing the interviewing, make sure you have a woman in the room with you because you're going to you need both perspectives on the person you're interviewing. And if you're a woman interviewing, doing the interviewing, bring a man into the room so that you can get both perspectives. You don't have to involve the other person in the actual interview questions, but get their perspective. Have them write down the answers to the questions. And I recommend you have all these questions on a sheet of paper so you can just write the answer answers underneath because all along you're looking does this person fit is this person of the right character do they have the right personality to fit into my office do they have good communication skills do they look you in the eye how are they dressed that's the kind of stuff you're looking for so after that question what are you looking for in a boss in a job environment Ask them, what are your long-term goals? I work with a local company that's a hearing instrument business, and we always ask that question because a lot of people are looking at this as an entry-level job, but their long-term goal is has nothing to do with what they're interviewing for. And so we like to hire people at that company. I'm an outsourced COO for them. We like to hire people for that company that actually have long-term goals that can fit with the company because we like to hire from within and promote from within. And so if their long-term goal is to be a race car driver, we're not going to hire them. Because it doesn't fit. If their long-term goal is to flip burgers at Burger King, it's not our. We don't. We're not looking for that. We're looking for people that long-term goal is to grow with the company and be loyal and dedicated. That's what we're looking for. Somebody that can fit our group forever. So the next question after long-term goals, yes, this question, and look them in their eyes when you ask this question. If I'm going to call your references, what are they going to tell me about you? Because they should have references on the resume, and they should have two or three names. Ask them. Hey, what's John going to say? What's Betty going to say? What's Sue going to say? What are they going to say? What are they going to say about you? We really want to know that. And then I recommend after the interview, you actually call the references. (laughs) References aren't just for, you know, putting words on paper. Call them. You're not always going to get the truth. Sometimes you do. So it's really important. You know, and you then at the end of the interview, any, do you have any questions for me? Based on what we talked about so far in the interview, do you have any questions for me? You know, and I forgot to mention at the beginning of the interview, it's super important that these people already, they've already looked at a detailed job description. They've already looked at your website. You've already given them a copy of your core values because you sent that stuff to them ahead of time, but you want to give them a chance. Do you have any questions for me? And pay attention to the questions that they ask. If they go right to, yeah, what's a job pay? Well, if that's what they're interested in, if that's the first question, that's a check mark in my mind. But let them have a chance to ask questions. So you're going, okay, Jim, this process is pretty complicated. You've just given us a whole list of questions, but what am I looking for? Well, again, you're looking for, is this person of the right character? Do they have the right personality? Because remember, you as a manager, you as a, as a business owner, you've got a tone to your group. You want to make sure that the tone to your group, when you hire a new person, that the tone doesn't get messed up, that the, that the, the quality of the communication in your group doesn't get messed up by hiring somebody that's new. 
that's rowdy, that's totally different. You know, if you've got a rowdy group, you got to hire rowdy people. You don't want to hire an accountant or engineer personality. If you're full of, if your job, if your business is full of accountant and engineer personalities, you don't want to hire a rowdy person like me, because those people really don't like unpredictable, loud people like me. So you're hiring people to fit. Now, if you're trying to hire a salesperson, you don't want to hire an accountant or an engineer personality. And if you're trying to hire an engineer or accountant personality, you don't want to hire somebody with a sales background because they don't fit. They're just different. And so you and, and you should know. I mean, if you don't know this before you interview for the positions, you should have standard disc profiles, personality profiles for the positions that you're hiring for so that you know that the person that you hire fits the personality profile. You know, if you've got somebody that needs to sit at a desk all day long and talk on the phone, don't hire somebody with a salesperson's personality that needs to get up and talk to people and be sociable. You need somebody that that that's okay with sitting down in front of a screen all day long. Make sure they've got experience in what you're asking them to do. Not necessarily direct experience, but that they have the ability to sit still if that's what you need them to do. A lot of times people don't think about it, but if you've got a, an office full of people... Look at who fits that job really well. Look at the people that have succeeded in that job really, really well and hire replicate people that can replicate that. You know, clone them if you can. You know, and before you even start this process, here's another clue. If you're trying to hire in a Christ-like fashion, give respect to your people in your office and say, hey, do you know somebody that is looking for a job that you think you'd like to work alongside? Be very careful about hiring close friends and relatives. But do you know somebody? Because if you know somebody, those are always way better interviews than having to weed through 400 resumes. All right. So you're trying to determine at the end of this interview, you've written down all their questions. You and your coworker who you had uh, be alongside you in the interview, you're going to talk through yay or nay. Yes, vote. No vote. Why? And you write it down. Yes, note, vote, note. Okay, wow. Yes, vote, no vote, and why? And then, then you bring it back. Put a highlight. You want? Do you want to bring them back? Because you know, out of 12 people that you have to do interviews with, you're going to probably bring back two or three for second interviews. Because you don't want to just bring back one person for the second interview. You want to have, because the second interview is going to be an hour-long interview. You're going to go back and ask a lot of the same questions, but you're going to have a lot of the same conversations with people, but you're going to allow it to go much deeper. Because in this one, you're literally giving them 15 seconds to answer questions. You got 25 minutes, really you have 23. You're just trying to find out, do I like this person enough to bring him back one more time? Okay, so you're trying to determine, are they a long-term fit? Do their long-term goals fit the organization? Are they a personality fit? And I'm repeating this stuff because you need to understand this. Are they a child of Christ or are they a seeker or are they a rejecter of the truth? If somebody's an out-and-out rejecter of the truth, they don't want to have anything to do with God. It doesn't necessarily matter to whether you hire them or not. But you need to know the field that you're playing in. You need to know the field that you're hiring in. You need to make sure that you know, hey, when I hire Bob, this is what I'm getting. And I always ask the employer to ask this question. Can you imagine praying for that person day after day after day after day? Because that's your job. Your job is to make sure that you are praying for your people that you're you, because when you bring them into your office you're bringing them into your church you're bringing them into your ministry field they become part of your daily mission work so can you imagine praying for that person 
Can you imagine paying their paycheck? Can you imagine ministering to them when they're having a good day, ministering to them when they're having a bad day? That They're going to become part of your team. So when you bring them back for the second interview, again, some of the same things. If when, when I bring people back for the second interview, after you've figured out who... Um, who you want to bring back out of those 12, you bring back two or three second tier, always have one of their future coworkers interview them. Maybe one or two, bring them in for, you know, an hour long interview, maybe an hour and a half, but take time to let their future coworkers interview them. And then you finish up the interview with, you got any more questions for me? Based on the job description. And, and I always tell them, bring, when you tell them to come back for the second interview, Bring an assignment based on what you learned today. Have them bring back to you. Send a note to you. Hey, here's why I, and when you've invited them back for the second interview, have them write a note to you. Here's why I think I deserve to be hired. So you bring back for the second interview. You have a couple of their coworkers uh, interview them. If you've got a business partner or somebody that's another executive within the company, I recommend you have them interview them as well. And you just do a final 15 minutes. What'd you think? Yes or no? You know, any more questions for me? And then at the end of the day, after you've brought in your two or three comebacks, you bring your team together and say, okay, what did you think? What did you like? I mean, get them to rate them. Do you recommend that we hire this person? And normally God will make it very clear who the final candidate should be. You know, again, you're holding them to the same standards you hold them before. If they don't show up on time for the second interview, you don't hire them. If they show up messy and dirty and, and unkempt, you're not going to hire them. You're looking for people that came well-prepared early for the interview. They were dynamic, enthusiastic. They answered questions well. They asked questions well. That's so important. Did they ask good questions. Did everybody like them that was participating in the interview? Because if anybody says no, and if it's a woman that says, absolutely not, no way I can work with that person, boy, you better be listening because women hear the voice of God so much better than us men do. There's a great book that really highlights the interview process. So it's time now for our book highlights segment. This book is written by Jim Collins. It's a little bit of a, it's almost historical at this point in time. It's written in the late 90s, but the name of the book was Good to Great. And in this book, Jim Collins lays out hiring and firing and a whole bunch of other things that are indicative of companies that have gone from good to great. Built to Last, the defining management study of the 90s showed how great companies triumph over time and how long-term sustained performance can be engineered into the DNA of an enterprise from the very beginning. But what about the company that was not born with great DNA? How can good companies, mediocre companies, even bad companies achieve enduring greatness? That's what this book, Good to Great, is all about. In the book, in the middle of the book, there's a couple of chapters about getting the right people on your bus and moving people onto the right seats onto your bus and sometimes helping free people's future and allowing them to move on to somebody else's bus. Jim Collins does a great job describing this and I use that all the time as an example. In fact, today we're talking about getting the right people on your bus. So I recommend that you read this book. The book is called Good to Great, written by Jim Collins. Read this book. Don't wait for the movie. We're talking today about can you hire in a Christ-like fashion? And so I want to make sure that you, if you've missed the beginning of the show, you're really going to have to go back and listen to the archive. Here's, what we're, we're, here's where we're out in the interview process. We've had 12 
30-minute, 25-minute interviews with two people in the, in the room interviewing a single person. At the end of that day, we picked out three people to bring back for second interviews. And we gave them an assignment to before they came back for the second interview to send us a note on why they think, based on what they learned in their first interview, why they think we should hire them. Then we bring back your three candidates for the second interview. And in that second interview, you have them interview with people that they're going to work alongside and maybe another executive within the business. So it's not just all your jaded perspective because sometimes we just really can't see the forest for the trees. So we got to bring in somebody to help us do the interviewing. So the second interview might be an hour, hour and a half. You have two or three people involved in the process and again you give them a chance to ask questions at the end at the end of the day of bringing back those three candidates you go ahead and you meet with your people and you say okay who do you really like who out of this process do you want do you want to hire and you see if there's a general consensus and if there is you're making sure again you're hiring people of character they've got the great personality and a personality that will fit the team they've got good communication skills they were dressed right they came to the interview on time and so as a team you're 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 saying okay here's the person we want to bring in for the position now here's here's what i led i i, I kind of I said, I I was trying to pique your interest for before we went back to the break. Here's what you need to do. You need to bring that. If you decide Bob Johnson, that's the guy you want to bring back. That's the guy you want to hire. Say, okay, here's the deal. You call Bob and say, Bob, we'd like to offer you the position. But before we do, we'd like to we'd like to pay you to work for us for a day. We'd like you to come in and test drive the job. We'd like you to test drive us. We want you to test. We want to test drive you. We want to see, do you really fit into our organization? We will pay. I know it means you're going to have to take a day of vacation, paid or unpaid from your current job. Whatever you got to do, we, this is the last piece of our hiring process. Come in, spend a day with us and, and we'll allow you to test drive us and we'll test drive you. And that's why I teased this, because this is something that most companies don't do. A lot of times after spending an hour, hour and a half with somebody to hire somebody, how do you find the right person after an hour, hour and a half interview a couple of different times? Let them come in and spend an entire day with you. Have everybody that they're going to interact with in the office spend time with them. Have them see lots of different positions, not just a position that they're applying for. Have them interact with lots of people. And then at the end of the day, you thank them for their time. You give them the paycheck for that day. And and a lot of times people just pay 10, 12 bucks for an hour for for that day. Not necessarily what they're going to get paid, but you're paying them just to thank them for coming in for the time because really you're allowing them to get as much exposure as you are so at the end of the day you thank them and you tell them listen we'll call you back uh, tomorrow with an answer of what we're going to do you have all the people they interacted with in your company fill out a survey what did you like what did you not like what were your concerns what were your excitements do you recommend that we hire this person is this a yes vote or a no vote but you're giving the people that are going to have lunch with this person each and every day. Oh, this is a guy's name, Bob Johnson. And Bob, if you're listening, I want to thank you because, you know, in Minnesota, they have an actual Bob Johnson club and everybody wears name tags when they show up. So if Bob Johnson's your guy and you say you bring him Bob and he spends all day, you're going to have all of your employees that interacted with Bob fill out a survey. Do you like him or not? Do you, do you, is, this a, is this a definite yes or no? And so you try to see, do you have a consensus? Does everybody say yes? 
Remember, up to before you brought them back for this day with you in the office, you've already checked the references. You've made sure that they really have worked those past jobs. Make sure that nobody has. You know, it, it's funny because when you call references or to former employers, you know all they can do is confirm job position and yes, did they work here or not? They're never going to tell you whether they were fired or not. But I got to tell you, you should confirm that stuff because people lie on their resumes all the time. So you should confirm that stuff. It's important. So you've gotten to this point. Do you want to hire them or not? Don't you, This whole process slows it down. It's because of this verse of Scripture, Proverbs 19.2. It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, not to be hasty and miss the way. You want to make sure that this is the right person. During this multiple interview process, you've given them assignments to see how they perform, and it's barely cost you any money. But you want to see, are they a fit personality-wise, character-wise, skill-wise. So everybody's got a chance, and you're going to have a vote. They have a vote. Yes, we want to vote for Bob or no vote against Bob. That's fantastic. Now you've made a decision. Are you going to hire Bob or not? Now I'm going to give you this aside. If this person is going to have unusual hours to their position, um, and they've got a significant other or a spouse, I recommend that the final interview is You and your spouse take Bob and his spouse or significant other out for dinner to have a conversation and to make sure that the spouse understands the stretches in the job. You know, if like in a sales position, when I hired people in the insurance business, I I wanted the spouses to know, hey, I expect this person the first couple of years to work three nights a week. Not to work weekends, three nights a week. That's what I expect. And, and they need to know, I need to know right now, spouse or significant other, that you're going to support that. Because if you don't, there's no point in us doing this because Bob is going to, this is going to be a difficult job for Bob. Bob needs to know he has your support. Bob will make a lot of money if he does all the things we tell him what to do, but he needs to have your support. Otherwise, it's pointless. So this whole interview process, as you're, you're trying to show respect for this person like that you've never been shown before in a job, you're trying to show respect. But that's this whole, how can you hire in a Christ-like fashion? You're trying to make sure that this person knows all of the good and maybe even all of the bad about the position before they say yes when you make them the offer. You may get to this point and you're ready to offer them this job and they say Hmm, Jim, I I just don't think it's a good fit. I, I just don't think it's a good fit. You know, I, after the first interview, I was excited. For the second interview, I thought, maybe. But after spending all day here, they may say one of these things. It's just wicked boring around here. Or it's too crazy. It's too high-paced for me. It stressed me out. Or there's no windows. I like windows. We're like, well, I can take care of that. I can get you a window. Or I can just put a picture on your wall that looks like a window so it feels like you're looking outside. Yeah, but you want to, you never know what they're going to say, but you want to give people a chance to really know, have they made a good decision in taking this job or not? You know, that's why, in a Christ-like fashion, you know, the disciples, before they said yes, you know, Jesus said, hey, follow me, and I'm going to teach you to become fishers of men. And then he gave them three and a half years of training. Then when he rose from the dead, that was the real chance for them to say, Yes, I'm going to do this, or no, I'm not going to do it. And there were some that I'm sure said, well, the dude just rose from the dead. How can I possibly not follow this guy? But he, they knew the job description. They also knew that, you know, 
<laughs> they're likely to get killed for their faith. And so it was a big decision. Most of the people that you're hiring are not going to get killed if they take their job. That's that whole work comp thing. But stepping back, you're showing respect for this person because you don't just want to hire them for a job. You want to hire them to be part of your family. You want to hire them to be part of your business, Acme Widgets and Digits, whatever it may be. You don't just want them to have a job. So take this process very, very seriously, every step. But all along, you're looking for, is this a good fit? Do they have the right character? Do they have the right personality? Are they going to fit with the rest of my group? Do they have good communication skills? Do they have the ability to learn? And all of the questions, all of the time you spent with them, all of this research time, you're going to invest dozens of hours into interviewing people. It's so that you get the right fit. Because when you hire somebody, it costs so much money in your company to hire somebody and to train somebody. You don't want to waste your money. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business. But ultimately, ultimately, I work for him. (laughs) 